So welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Hey folks, how's it going? Uh, today we're actually going to talk about grief and death. Hmm. <laughs> grief and death, yeah, really serious stuff. We, um, um, why do we decide to talk about grief and death? Like, I think there's such an amount of people who we come across on a daily basis, what I come across certainly in the shop and I think generally in life, who are coping with grief and loss and sadness and the shock of that and the emotional impact and the fallout on their their lives and having to kind of keep going in their lives that like you know there's not a lot of supports there's not we don't really do it that well in western mm -hmm. culture and we're not like I don't know, we're not we don't we don't have a it's not integrated it. is it i think yeah. for us actually this week one of the people that we podcasted with recently um their father just died this week mm. in an accident and I guess for us, that brought up a lot of memories because both of us lost our fathers. Oh. Um, and we were just thinking we wanted to write to him and express how we were feeling and, and say something that could be useful in some way. And when we were thinking about that, we were thinking about how inadequate oh. our templates are in modern society for dealing with breath, Even breath, just grief. grief. <laughs> Bereavement, yeah. Bereavement. Was that a bit of a crisscross? Death, yeah. death. Oh, okay. Grief, death, <laughs> grief, death, and bereavement. Grief, death, bereavement. Word. There you go. Um, yeah, grief and death, mm. and we just there are lots of cultures around the world that actually do have death and grief as part of daily life that they're yeah. faced with it, and it's something that they have tools and even words mm. to deal with from a young age. Um, but we don't have that. And here. there's nothing they kind of they don't run away from it in the same mm. same thing the same way. Um, we have this awful tendency to, to package death in a, you know, in a small corner in beefy suburbs and um, pass by it once a year and go and honour it or, you know, if it's somebody who's maybe close to death to kind of, you know, take schedules and go and visit them and, and you know, there's a, there's a kind of a, a joyless aspect to that and there's also a kind of like a, an apolog apologetic kind of aspect to it. Mm. Which is kind of like if we're apologising for this, something's kind of wrong. Exactly. Which means we're not we're not really hitting the mark because uh, you 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 should be able to have a you know a, a a lucid conversation with somebody who's close to passing that doesn't you know you don't all have to like stare at the walls and stare at the floor as you you know. I think there's a, there's a weird thing for me. What I found when my dad died was that everyone suddenly started talking in euphemisms. Yeah. And I was obviously I was nine, so I was I was young, but I was kind of aware <laughs> also at the same time. <laughs> it was so strange. People kept saying things like, "So since your dad has passed on," or people even said things like, "Now that your dad is in the other room," and I was like, "He's not in the other room." Wow. That is the weirdest thing you could ever say. And it was you were just crying out for someone to just say like, "Your dad's dead." this cataclysmic thing has happened yeah. in your life how is this for you yeah. and like do you want to talk about him do you want to share stories about him do you want to remember him and instead what happened was no one talked about him mm. there was just absence of conversation around of him literal conversation of literal conversation yeah, everyone okay. was tiptoeing around these subjects mm. and because it was seen as such a big thing and such a hole in your lives yeah, well i think just in general that's what happens people don't want to say the word even when another person that, that we know in a place that we might be podcasting soon um, mm. died this week as well and I was writing to his son um, to say hey I heard that this thing happened mm. um, you know 
I love your dad and you know here are some photos we took recently together and you know how is this for you and I was just thinking about how we're so uncomfortable even just to say I heard that your dad died yeah we start trying to think of all the other ways that we could just possibly say, say that in a yeah. text message okay I can't say that because that's too what truthful yeah you know he knows his dad just yeah, died yeah, yeah. he's well aware you're not going to be reminding fact. him no it's not going to be <laughs> making him uncomfortable yeah but we try to find these he's passed on he's mm. you know moved on I don't know even we don't even say I've heard what happened yeah yeah, yeah I've heard yeah exactly without even without saying the words even I have done that it. before I've been I've been yeah absolutely and, and I just that. had this moment when mm. I was writing the text message of going hang on I'm just gonna say hey I heard your dad died mm. I'm really sorry yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. through that and you know he was such a great person and this earth is worse off without him on this planet and, and those things that we, you actually feel like saying. And I think we get this feeling that if we're going to be honest about it, if we confront it head on, mm -hmm. that somehow we're making that worse for the person who's experiencing it. Whereas yeah, everyone that I've talked to about death or anyone yeah. who I know who's experienced death or, or grief or loss of anything, could uh -huh. be the breakup of a marriage, it could be uh, the loss of a child, it could be anything. Mm. You just want acknowledgement. Like, this thing is happening to me. It's real and it's taking over my whole life and you want someone to be able to sit and listen to you talk about it or talk to you about yeah. it and, and just to be heard, just to be known like, yeah, this is happening to you and this is this is real for you. Not yeah. not some kind of squashed down, glossed over pretense of which presupposes that there's this dichotomy between the time before when everything was perfect and the time afterwards with when the assumption broken. that and soon there will be a time when everything's perfect again and we just need to get back to that time and oh yeah, no it's interesting, yeah it's like a before and an after with like, like just get back to the before yeah, bit because the after part is nasty yeah and everything has to get back to the way it was before mm. and it won't it'll be forever changed yeah, and, and it's about dealing with grief is about trying to find being comfortable with the fact that you're experiencing this pain and mm. sitting with the pain mm. and acknowledging the pain and finding a middle way of going this is where I'm at right now and there's this quality of impermanence and change and mm. things will change and they will transform but right now this is where I am and I'm just going to sit with that and acknowledge that and I think what happens a lot around grief and death is that we don't acknowledge it we can't acknowledge it and the people around us just want us to to be either in the broken place or in the fixed place yeah. They, they don't know how to go like and now here's the you transition can integrate this part integrate. of you that there's this loss but mm. then you've you're and you're still a whole person mm. yes some of you necessarily dies with the person who's, yeah. who's died but there's not it's not like you actually miss a piece physically no. like you actually in some ways it grows you as a person mm. uh it kind of it contributes to your to your character and it's part of part of every life and i think the the one thing that we maybe do in ireland that's maybe useful around that in the immediate the immediate kind of aftermath like and it's coming back into fashion now waking a, a person and that that idea that you know there's maybe a couple of days where um before the funeral where the, where the people are you know whether it's a coffin in a house it's open or not or whatever but there's sort of an open house policy and um and people kind of come to uh, kind kind of to party to be honest with you and kind of to chit chat in the back room and have cups of tea and uh and, and, and stronger drinks and um and, and somehow kind of begin to process it, not necessarily by talking directly about it again, which is, again, maybe a bit of a problem, but certainly by, you know, acknowledging that there's more than just a funeral where a coffin gets carried up an aisle, people 
say prayers and you know sing hymns and then everyone goes home and kind of has their private grief it's mm -hmm. nice that there's kind of a public grief for him I think yeah. that's well it's 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 an acceptance isn't it it's going mm. it's okay to yeah. be not okay yeah, yeah, yeah. it's okay to yes. have this yeah. moment where we're yeah. crying and yeah. we're not just putting it behind closed doors and I think that's the biggest problem is that it back in the olden days back in like 19th century times mm. grief and death it, they happened in the home. Mm. They were very much in the home, just like birth was. Yeah. It was in the home. It was part of our lives, and we saw it. We were yeah. very much confronted with it from children, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents. They were in the home. They would yeah. die. You would be a part of it. And everyone in the community would have these, these confrontations with death and mm. loss and the moving on of that and seeing people being upset and seeing them move through those stages. And then what happened was as there was a kind of rise of the kind of funeral business, mm. And medicalization, we moved it out, mm. out of the home into mm. somewhere else, and that's exactly what happened with birth. It moved away, and when we move things away from our everyday arena, fear comes in, yeah. and mistrust, yeah. and worry, and it's all this: what is it? Mm. What is it? And that's yeah. what scares us the most: is that yeah. thing of not really knowing how. What does this look like? Yeah. And so, as it moves further away from us, we lose the tools to a talk about it, uh. to b process it, but mainly to share it to share in that and anyone you talk to or anyone I've talked to about grief or death the worst part is the loneliness is that yeah. sense of isolation of feeling like especially if they've lost say a spouse mm. that there's no one that they can talk to mm. about it that mm -hmm. they can just go like I really miss that person and do you remember yeah. when they did this or do yeah. you remember this moment when they did this or, or or just like you know what I I remember you know, I live in the house where they lived, and yeah. it's just full of their memories, and that is actually really hard for me. Or, yeah, you know, those things. But yeah. people aren't confronted with it because they don't die in the home unless mm. you have, say, home hospice care. Yeah. Um, I think that the first few days um, after something like a spouse dies as well is particularly tough. Um, because you are sort of like, there's the, that aloneness must be like, oh, I remember thinking about my mum when that was happening, and the first times that she was going to be in the house on her own and obviously you know we stayed with her for the first few nights but there was necessarily a point where she had to be there on her own mm -hmm. and um, that must be incredibly difficult and and I think yeah that's that's one of the things about like grief is um, like you have to process it alone there's a certain way you definitely have to process it alone but there's also a part where um, maintaining a social presence around it helps in the process you know yeah. Not like, and I think the, the more that we do that, the less you have these list of okay phrases and not okay mm. phrases, and people just start to kind of openly chat about it. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, and, and also, you know, uh, with mum in the first few days, we were like nutritionally, like trying to like keep her fed, you know, mm. making sure she, making sure people were eating, doing those basics. And actually, that was one of the, the, the amazing mum has a, has a great core of. Um, of good old friends and they were like they were so good at filling the freezer and that's like those kind of jobs yeah those are people who are really good around death those, yeah. those, those folk who just know what what needs to be done do. in the background absolutely yeah but i listened to this podcast recently um of a man who was talking i want to say his name is mike rosenthal something okay. rosenthal his wife died oh, well. and she wrote this open letter that was published in the new york times she was a writer and it oh, was right. a letter while, while she was still alive before mm -hmm. she died and it was a letter giving him public permission to move on and find happiness once she was gone. And it was wow. basically a play on her writing a Lonely Hearts ad for her husband going, oh, cool. who will marry my husband? Oh. And and it had this massive, wow. massive response all around the world. And he was doing this TED talk and he was talking, you know, about how it was to lose her and all of that stuff that he was talking about. They decided to do home hospice. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, you know, when you hear the term home hospice, it sounds like 
this nice thing that you come home to die and you're surrounded by your family and you're yeah. in your home and you get to die at home. And he said, but no one tells you about the memories that the people left behind are confronted uh, with of uh. how it was to carry her down the corridor to the toilet mm. or how when she died how he had to carry her body down the stairs through the kitchen through the living room and Mental. how those memories will never ever go away for him yeah, yeah, and yeah. he said that people are really good about saying things like if you need me call me or let us know if there's anything I can do and it uh. puts this massive pressure on the person oh, yeah, to reach yeah. out and go I need this yeah. rather than just, just calling, them. calling and going hey it? I'm coming round and yeah. then seeing what needs to be done yeah, 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 or yeah. hey let's meet and have a chat uh -huh. or, or yeah. how are you doing just being first he said if you know anyone who's mm. helped, held someone and, and watched someone die through home hospice mm. please go and say to them do you have any memories that are tough for you? Yeah, do yeah. you want to talk about them? Because he said, I never felt like I could talk about that. And that was really one of the hardest bits was right. having those memories in my house. And the fact that he was isolated in as much as he didn't mm -hmm. feel that there were people that he could just have that open conversation mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm. that's, the hard, that's the hard thing because yeah. those are the bits that haunt you. Absolutely. So like in, the, in our little run-up to this one, you've done some sort of research around mm -hmm. how other cultures do it better than us. Yeah. I know some of them like... Isn't there like this South American place where they keep the body in the house for like seven years yeah. or something like that, and they keep embalming it and re-embalming it? Yeah, and, and they like bring it out and they have sometimes they dress they, it. They dress they, it. Yeah. They have it by the front door. Yeah, it's very much a part of living living mm. with them. And there's there's one culture, and um, I can't remember the name of the tribe, but they they host a really really elaborate funeral, which mm. has like goes on for weeks and everyone dances and there's all this stuff. But they might save up for 10 years for that and uh, until they have that funeral the person stays in their house and embalmed in all the different wow. ways and is just literally living with them until they can save up enough money just changes the whole idea funeral. of death doesn't mm -hmm. it like it like there's uh, no finality it's yeah. not like mm -hmm. they're dead they're gone that's mm -hmm. the end of that mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i think that's a large part of what people are scared about is uh. is that we're going to die and then gone forgotten yeah. that's the end and i think what when i was looking mm -hmm. into these traditions around the world around death and funerals for example what seems to be a common thing amongst all of them is that there's an element of the death not being the end point, that mm. there's a continuation afterwards, that there's celebration, that there's ritual, mm. um, and that those things are a comfort for the people left behind mm. and a comfort for the people who are going to die because they know that they're not going to be forgotten. Yeah, um, there's a legacy. Legacy is yeah, huge, isn't it? It is, and yeah. I think, you know, we're so it's so hard for us to imagine, like, Okay, and then it just ends. That's, mm. the, that's the end. What is end? Like, how can we even? We can't even can't conceptualize that. And especially, you know, say you were dying and you had children left behind. If I think about dying and leaving my son, mm. the fear is I'm going to miss all those things, those big events in his life. I'm not okay. going to be there. For yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to be alone, and he's going to miss having his mum. Mm. And if you have this culture of, of constant. Um, ritual that brings you back up or that, mm -hmm. that includes you you'd be feeling a little bit more comforted that okay it's not going to be he's just going to forget me and he's going to move on but yeah. that there's going to be these constant occasions and anytime there's a big deal i'm going to be wheeled out in a way in yeah. whether it's in a memory whether it's literally wheeled Fully out <laughs> and, or, or whatever it is yeah. that would feel comforting i can see how that is uh-huh yeah absolutely i i think um I, it's weird though isn't it like i, mean, I, I i'm quite happy with the idea that I don't continue on in any literal next life way um, that said I've kind of I've been reading a lot um, about that 
like in the last few years, like Many Lives, Many Masters is one of my favorite books. And that kind of like that strangely, because it, like it seems like science fiction before you start that book and people say, oh, read it. It's amazing. It'll change your life. And then uh, the idea being that it's a, a girl who's going through psychotherapy and counseling and, and her, her psychiatrist, psychotherapist, psychiatrist, I think, uh, kind of runs out of road on all other kind of options to, to try and help her deal with, with um, what she's going through and, and kind of like, um, I, th I think she's dealing with like depression or, or panic attacks, something, panic attacks, I think. And he eventually decides to try past life regression and, and it turns into this profound experience. It's written with so much narrative that it's almost, it's only semi-believable to be honest, but I, I understand that it's taken from, from fact. And that idea, I think people, people need permanence. People have this real difficulty with the lack of permanence and whatever it is that you leave behind, um, we've sort of necessarily have to have a, you know, a, like a tangible presence in the world after we're gone, don't we? Like, Although I, I'm, I, I don't know, I might be a weird one on that one because I really like the idea of a cardboard coffin and no headstone. So yeah, maybe yeah. I'm a bit strange. No, I kind of feel that too. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, will we talk a little bit about the traditions yeah, that yeah. we looked into. So there's the New Orleans Jazz Funeral. Yeah, that's amazing. Which is the one that probably people are most um, aware of. But there's, so what they do is they have these the bands playing and they play these sorrowful dirges until the point at which the body is buried. Mm. And then afterwards, Changes. it's like all change, yeah. upscale, up-tempo, massive celebration, yeah. huge dancing, and it's about kind of cathartic dancing to celebrate the life of that person. Mm. And that serves this kind of dual purpose where it's like a letting go of emotion, and we've talked about this in past podcasts, how animals deal with fear and shock mm. and all these things by shaking and literally just shaking it off. Yeah. We have that phrase, don't we? Just shake it off, let it go. But yeah. they, that's what they do, and that's what we need to do because we process emotion, we have it and we store it. Mm. And if we just push it down, you push does, it down and it comes out. It yeah. always comes out in it's illness problems. or mm. stress or allergies or autoimmune diseases or whatever yeah. the things are. We can't hold those emotions in there forever and suppress them and suppress them. They just become this kind of nasty melting pot. So this cathartic dance mm. allows them to mm. let that out of their body. Mm. But it also connects them back in with the healing power of touch. So they dance with each other, they hold each other's hands, they hug, they rock. And, and when you're grieving, you're alone and you feel this, you know, it's so primal, that feeling, mm. because you've got all these stress hormones in your body, cortisol, adrenaline, ether, uh -huh. can I remember that one? F and epinephrine? Epinephrine. 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 epinephrine is adrenaline. adrenaline. Yeah, epinephrine and norepinephrine, in other words, for adrenaline and cortisol. Oh, weird. I believe so. I think so. Fact check. Fact. In the article I read, it had those three listed. Right. Weird. Anyway, there you go. Maybe we'll, I'm not. We'll check that later. <laughs> um, they, yeah, so we have all those hormones in our bodies, all those stress hormones that are causing us to have things like stress making our muscles more tense mm. or making our chest feel like it's constricting or, you know, making us shake a little yeah. bit, switching off our digestion, stopping mm. us from being able to sleep, mm -hmm. uh, making us feel panicky, making us have anxiety, all these yeah. things that we feel that people who've been through grief recognize those feelings and yeah. they're physically in the body as well as emotionally there. Yeah. When we connect with other people, when we shake it off or when we hold each other's hands, when mm -hmm. we hug them, then we naturally get that little bit of oxytocin, that little yeah. bit of a switch around that allows us to move more into the parasympathetic nervous system, yeah. into that opposite place, yeah. and and just heal a little start bit. Start to smile and heal yeah, a little just bit. Start yeah, to loosen and up. To feel okay with that. To feel okay, feel okay with, with that. feeling okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, not to feel bad for it, or feel like remorseful for feeling good. Yeah. Um, which is which is an important part of it. Yeah, that it's, it's allowing that. It's allowing that. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and also obviously there's a herb for that because oh yeah. like well when it when it comes to adrenaline cortisol. There is a whole host of herbs, and we, um, we've had a, a bunch of different remedies that I've 
recommended over the years have been really useful to, to, to friends and, and customers when they're going through kind of immediate stages of grief. Um, Melissa or Lemon Balm is a lovely one, um, which is known to help to reduce cortisol. I mean, it's growing right over there in my garden, and it's um, it's prolific uh, in, in Europe, and it's really easy one to get in teas or capsules, whatever. Teas are sometimes a really handy thing because everybody like there's something nourishing about that cup of tea, mm. uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be builder's black tea. Um, ideally, you want to take it really easy on all the adrenal stuff uh, and, and the immediate kind of aftermath of... of um, uh, of, of a loss of, of dealing with grief or dealing with death of a loved one um, it's so often we actually reach for co I remember reaching for coffee a lot after my dad died like weird like a lot <laughs> um, and it sort of just about gets you through but you have this sort of like hollow energy from it it's really strange very vacant feeling but you're like it's okay I'm awake it's fine I can function I can tie my shoes um, it's almost like another ritual that we grab to isn't it it's like mm. you know when you're really tired and you're really stressed you go for coffee yeah so it's time. almost like that that you're like okay stressed and you coffee stressed yeah and coffee, absolutely and you're just clinging on to it it's, it'll be okay it's the be okay. worst thing yeah because you're driving your adrenal stress and then balancing your blood sugar is the other big thing as well but okay well adrenal adrenal other ones um holy basil is another beautiful herb actually I wish I'd known about it at the time um that that it helps to kind of like in, enhance connection with spirit is what they kind of talk about in this kind of traditional use uh, in southern India. Um, but it's a great herb for helping you feel kind of just like yourself. It's great. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like takes you out of a high stress kind of you know that that sort of um, uh, like shallow breathing anxiety sort mm -hmm. of state. And uh, you can take that. You can have that as like a tulsi tea as well. Yeah, tulsi pulka do a lovely three tulsi tea, uh, which works really really well. Um, and then the other thing which I used actually a lot and, and my girlfriend at the time made little remedies for myself and my mum and my sister uh, using flower remedies so back to back flower mm -hmm. remedies so good in the immediate aftermath of, um, of, of like dealing with kind of immediacy of grief um, things like I think it was white chestnut and star bethlehem dealing with shock and grief and loss and um and the rescue remedy really nice. ones are obviously that's, that is, that's the same thing so the back flower remedies rescue remedy is, is a mixture of the of, of the yeah the five whatever five flowers five lane flowers yeah. five liters of it so people can just buy mm. rescue remedy and rescue remedy night yeah as well absolutely in the health food stores yeah they both work really really well and rescue remedy night seems like it's profoundly helpful i've never yeah. luckily never used it myself but recommend it a lot because people who are you know when they've gone through every other thing and particularly when it's around shock particularly mm. around, around grief um where it's not you know, it's 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 a short-term kind of crisis-driven mm. issue at sleep. Uh, Rescue remedy night could be brilliant. It's actually. really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and balancing your blood sugar is obviously another huge thing as well. And so if, if they're if they're not managing to eat properly, getting something like maybe a protein powder into them just to have something good in the day, something solid in the day, and uh, that feeling in your stomach of being empty definitely doesn't help with the feeling of grief. Having some satiety, having something in there, even if you're not feeling like eating, is so important. Um, like even a, a couple of scoops of a good protein powder and like a teaspoon or two of cinnamon to balance your blood sugar levels would be amazing if that's like because it's just getting the minimum in um, at, at any point and when when people are kind of you know sitting at the table and their fork is there beside their meal and the meal's gone cold mm. um you just need to get something in there just it's to kind grounding, of hold them together isn't it? it's, it's really grounding, grounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. need to be grounded back into our bodies mm. i think a lot of grief becomes emotional but it becomes mental and mm. we, we just get up here yeah and we right, come out so even true. even here yeah um above our heads and that that kind of tomatic energy of food that kind of real grounded slowness that happens mm. naturally you know after you eat a big meal you have that kind of yeah. slowness um that's grounding yeah that's any starchy root vegetables actually do that feet. as well so yeah sweet potatoes mm. spuds all that sort of stuff turnip 
or those kind of root veg have that ability to ground us as well as like things like sage tea you know and sage is another mm. fantastic one and it's obviously used in native american uh, herbalism and as part of kind of purification practices again to take people out of their head and back into their body it's really a lovely grounding herb and can be great as a as a tea as well as a like you know if you want to go the full bore and, and start doing kind of like sage smudging and that sort of stuff as well mm. but um, not everybody's going to be game for that <laughs> which is fair nice though. yeah yeah true um, so in Mongolia and Tibet they have the sky burials oh, yeah, wow. so that's around the Buddhist belief that the spirit transmigrates after death so mm. it leaves the body um, as a kind of empty shell really uh-huh. and they literally chop the body into bits mm. and put it um, on the top of a mountain top and allow it to be just exposed to the elements mm. um, and mainly vultures um, mm. and what that does is bring them back into that connection with the circle of life with samsara mm. and literally viscerally showing you that the body is just the shell yeah. and yes the body has gone but it's part of this it, it goes back to the earth it goes back into the plants it goes back to the animals and therefore that's a comfort because it's all around so sky burials where i like a, you're you're kind of constantly connecting the living and the dead people mm. but there's not there's not like there's like one guy who goes up the mountain right who's like designated yeah. from the village he does all that yeah brings the bone brings the bodies up there chops them up and leaves them out for the vultures yeah it's still kind of like in some ways the same as our culture it is uh, in the nepalese culture like where i grew up they did um there would be a burial down by the river because we lived in a village that was delineated by a river in the center of it so okay. the only way to get from one side of the village to the other was a rope bridge oh, wow. and when people died um, they would take the body, they would wrap the body in white cloth and all the men and women would shave their heads uh-huh. and um, they would take the body down to the river and make a burial pyre, mm. um, like a bonfire and place the body on top and then burn it and everyone would be around and there would be kind of keening and wailing and, and a lot of ritual around that but everyone would watch the body burn and you would be very much a part of that and aware of that in the village even if you weren't in Close the funeral party yeah, yeah, the okay. ashes were literally blowing up through the town and wow. the smoke was there and wow. you learned that's the smell of yeah. a burning body you were aware of, of what that was do you remember what your thoughts were right about it when you everything there was very uh to use the same word again very visceral it was yeah. really you know when it was feast days the only time we ate meat was a feast day and then you would sacrifice the animal that you'd been looking after like a goat and mm. then we would li- you would literally cut its throat and watch the blood pour out and the blood would be used in in ritual then and we would then take the entrails and we would blow them out and make them into sausages and the casings of sausages so right, okay, yeah, yeah. we were involved in that like as kids so wow. i guess it didn't feel amazing maybe no that's crass, but it didn't <laughs> no, no amazing never got sick yeah um but yeah i guess it didn't feel that different yeah because you were confronted with the ritual of death on a daily basis and i guess that's the point really of when i was examining all these different rituals mm. around death mm-hmm. and around grief it was looking at why do we have those rituals and how are they important in us mm. making that transition so yes and one of the things you said earlier is to me about that the living think of dying and the dying think of life and is that something that you were you were, was that the what was it the zen so there's a, a place called the zen hospice project oh, yeah, in america it. i want to say it's in san diego but i'm not certain on that okay. there's a documentary on netflix at the moment called end of life okay cool. and basically the zen hospice project is where chaplains, doctors, different medical professionals, um, carers, and then people like also therapists, counsellors, mm-hmm. even yoga people come together to look at after people at the end of their life. Um, but it's very much a celebration of the life that's still worth living. Mm-hmm. So it's a confrontation of death 
and not hiding behind those euphemisms and not 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 confronting the person with yeah. the reality that they are dying and that that death may be imminent like three weeks away or three months away yeah. and then and then talking to them about like well how what's your concept for this life that you still have to live and how can we maximize the potential for that and how can we talk about death and how can we learn not to fear death and how can yeah. we talk about what would death look like what are your fears around it and then how can we support the people around you yeah. the people who are going to be left behind into coming to terms with the reality that death is here and that there's transience and that there's impermanence and and sometimes that looks like people sitting around a bed just singing mm. singing mm -hmm. hymns singing yeah. joyful songs around the bed of the person who is dying or sometimes it was massage or sometimes it was just talking talking through fears talking through worries or memories or whatever it's, it's, it's funny how that sense of impermanence we're always taught like oh kids they can't think of you know their own mortality mm. but actually we really can't think of our own mortality they're much closer to the end that's yeah. when we like really have a chance to deal with it and i suppose it's only at those opportunities that the young the middle-aged and the old who are exposed to mm. whoever it is who's, who's, who's passing away all get a chance to reflect on their own mortality and, and kind of like take something kind of take stock about their own lives and if there's anything that can come from it that's that's positive it's that you you know begin to kind of see what you want from your life yes you've got that person who's at the yeah. end of theirs they've got days weeks months whatever to live in there it puts a much um sharper focus on on getting what you what you want what serves you out of life and, and just not dealing with the the crap that doesn't yeah and i think you know the more we can bring those those comparisons into our daily life that thing of life and death yeah. profane and sacred familiar making things more familiar making things more natural the more we can kind of just habitualize the idea of impermanence in our daily yeah, yeah, life yeah, the yeah, more yeah. important that is and so what that might look like on a practical level for all of us if we are thinking about how can we bring that into our life is just understanding this concept of of living death i guess of those mm. moments in our day that that are endings and that are the ending isn't the end the ending is just facilitating a new beginning and so being yeah. mindful of those little transition periods and and being grateful for those transition periods rather yeah. than seeing them oh no like oh i just had this lovely coffee with a friend and oh, now i have to say goodbye but actually feeling like oh aren't i lucky that i have a friend that i like enough to feel sad to say goodbye to yeah absolutely. and then what's coming next uh, and that that thing just continues on and it's that's the night and day of the same thing isn't it? totally yeah, yeah, yeah. and and really just looking at the the flip sides of stuff and knowing that we can't just have happy happy mm -hmm. comes with sad mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. love comes with hate mm -hmm. life comes with death and those things can't be looked at in, in isolation mm -hmm. and so if we want to appreciate them and we want to live them fully we have to appreciate both sides Eyes on the yeah and yeah. remember when we were in um bulgaria someone this top this idea of honoring our shadow nature yes. kept coming up yeah. different people kept talking about it yeah. in different ways Weird. And i've never heard the term before neither had i and then since then it's actually come up a lot in things that i've been Did reading I? or hearing and and it's really that it's it's about going with, a lot i think in our society we we really honor people when they're at their best and we only want to put our best foot forward and now mm. we have instagram we show our best bits mm. all the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the best edited versions of our lives and that's nice it's aspirational and it makes us happy and, and it's even, great it's funny even in the instagram posts where people are talking about like oh today I'm blah 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 whatever they're still they still have usually a beautiful edited shot yeah, at the top which is yeah. kind of so contradictory and bizarre yeah. isn't it it's hard isn't it shows it? you how difficult it must be as humans to like reveal that visually yeah we can talk about it maybe we can write about it because that puts some distance between it but actually to show just it go like this is me having yeah. a crappy day yeah yeah and yeah. like let's honor the crappy day uh -huh, as uh -huh. well yeah, and yeah, i think yeah. that's that's so important for us to to not get hung up on the only bits that are good are, are those positive mm. bits and just like really honor the shadow nature for what it is because yeah. 
that thing of values and troughs and mm -hmm. you can't appreciate being at the top of that mm -hmm. mountain unless you've been in the trough yeah. and you've wallowed in that mud and yeah. you've gone I'm in this mud and I just have to do this work yeah. in the trenches to get yeah. through it and then I'll be ready the to accept the path of the mountain and exactly. go here I am and I can now appreciate this because yeah, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. there yeah, and exactly. now I'm here and I know that I'll yeah, be there perfect. so like yeah so what are some tools that we can do um, that, that we can give people that was that was what you were so what I really wanted to do was just look at what are tools that we can give to people, mm. what are resources that we can give to people who might be listening, who are thinking they're going through grief, or even if they're not, and they just want to look a little bit more mm. about delving into this subject. It's um, nice to know about it before you need to know about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's nice to be prepared. So Definitely. my favorite book, I guess, that I've always read is the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Okay, yeah. It's the one that I always give to people if they're going through a transition period in their life. And um, it's a, a big book, yeah. like this fat. Wow. And um, so you don't have what? to read it all, but what's nice is you can kind of delve into it. And what right. it does is looks at Tibetan Buddhist rituals around death and grieving and how when the death of a master comes it isn't this really big sad thing for them it's actually this beautiful ritual that they're totally they've been prepared for for years mm. and and that's a right. natural transition period and it's just really really helpful i think it's a book that everyone should have in their house um okay. and then there's this other really really good book um called it's okay that you're not okay by megan divine Good name, right? Yeah, is it okay? Is it is it like is that like for adults and kids, or it just has no, that sort of like? No, no, it isn't. It's very uh, much aimed at adults, adults who, okay. are, who are who are going through a grief. I wonder if there are any for kids moment. with grief for dealing with There grief. are lots actually. Yeah? I can. We maybe put some in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, we'll put some in the show notes for yeah, sure. Um, so in that book, she's talking a lot about how we need to stop. We talked about this time bit before, but how mm -hmm. we need to stop dividing things into this dichotomy of we're perfectly healed or we're forever broken. Mm. We need to just somehow get to this place where we acknowledge grief and like loss by being present and by bearing witness to it as okay. opposed to trying to run away from it yeah, or yeah. trying to move into a next stage. Just uh -huh. like, I'm here, this is what I'm going through and I'm just going to sit with this and see how it is. Like bowing down literally to the mystery of grief and just yeah. going, I don't know what the way through is. I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. But what I know now is how I feel and sitting and looking internally and going, how is it that I feel rather than imposing things on ourselves so mm -hmm. watching our breath observing is it fast is it slow how am I today what does that tell me about how I am with mm -hmm. my emotions mm -hmm. today watching mm -hmm. how our body is where am I holding stress like am I hiking my shoulders up am I bringing it into my low back or actually maybe today I kind of feel okay in my body mm -hmm. and it's just an emotional thing or maybe it's an in-between day okay. but not kind of having this sense of assuming that I'm in this process of grief, so I must therefore feel this, or That's I really must be trying to move yeah. forwards. So I remember, that. like after my dad died, um, I had days where it was I was bizarrely fine, like just bizarrely fine, and then days, usually not not whole days where I was bizarrely fine or bizarrely okay, but it was I suppose more moments. But you just you know catch yourself in the middle of doing things because you're back into your real life very quickly mm. after these things happen, and uh, and I'd have a a moment of just complete almost panic breakdown like bizarre panic breakdowns I just have to be out here on my own somewhere I need to disappear and um, yeah the, the 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 book that I found that was really interesting at the time and I was just thinking it was my mum that gave it to me or somebody like that but um, somebody like a mother you know we have so many so many quasi mothers in our life um, it was uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's On Grief and Grieving yeah. which gives it kind of deals with the seven stages of grief now one of the things that I think it's sort of been happily reversed like she kind of dealt with it in a sort of a linear format which is not really fair to the human condition yeah. um, 
and, and I think certainly I'm still dealing with stage one and seven and everything in between, um, and I think you always will be. Uh, but it was a, it's a really nice way of just kind of giving, putting words on the different stages of emotion and. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I find it great help, and probably like your Tibetan book, The Living and Dying, I tend to give it away, and, and I now don't have it, because I've given it to somebody who needed it. And I don't uh, have mine, either. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise I would have bought it to show. Uh, the other one, actually, that's really nice, which is a totally different book, uh, not a different book to play, um, uh, The Year of Magical Thinking, do you know oh, that one? Oh, yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. I was lucky enough to see Vanessa Redgrave perform that. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. I put the hair on the back of my neck in the gaiety about um, six or seven years ago, my, and my cousin took me on, thank her forever that she did. Um, it's really special because it deals with a woman who's, I think it was a, it was a journalist as far as I remember, I, I hope I don't get the details wrong, a journalist who just lost her husband. And she's kind of, is it like an open letter almost, but performed as a one-person play by Vanessa Redgrave, anyway, a one-man play. Um, and uh, and it's sort of, again, it, it, it gives this a great, a very lucid account of the sort of indigestibility of what you're having to cope with. like. The, and the expectation of what people around you expect mm. you to be and, 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 and how they expect you to feel and what they feel they have to say. And, and I think I find that, that also immensely helpful because I think it was only it was maybe two years after Dad died that I went to see that. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was just nice to kind of see that that, you know, that helplessness around us was something that people at every age go through. You know, there's, mm. n there's no level of, of, of having, you know, uh, lived or a level of wisdom. I suppose there, there are certain things within, within life experience that will help you, but, but you still got to go through it and, and it's still going to be messy. Yeah, and also, I think, you know, even in her book, when she talks about those seven stages, mm. like in a linear way, mm. I suppose you don't have to, you can just acknowledge that all seven stages can be present in one moment. Absolutely, they and pretty much can. And maybe two of them or three of them yeah. or one of them. But it, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay yeah, for yeah, it yeah. to be any way that it is. You yeah. don't have to fit into that box, I yeah. think. And yeah. in the book that I was talking about, she talks about how, as a society, we need to move from what she calls a mastery orientation oh, yeah. to a mystery orientation. So Ooh. in a mastery orientation, we are in that mindset of conquer, solve, yes. go back to normal. And in the mystery orientation, we're going like, where am I? Can I bear witness to this? Can mm. I explore this feeling? Can I sit with this? Can I just see what is the mystery of this new experience without having to name it bad or name it good? Just, okay, this is another life experience that I'm going through. And I think if what her point is, is that we very much put ourselves in this doing mindset. And when we do that, it's like, right, I'm grieving. And then I shall not be grieving anymore because mm. I shall be okay. And that's really hard. That's kind of what the year of magical thinking was, was amazing at doing because it was, it, it displayed this kind of like, you know, the, the thing she wasn't able to put labels on, wasn't able to put words on, how she was feeling, this kind of like disconnected, discombobulated sort of headspace, um, but with words, amazingly, you know, um, yeah. but which is it, which is so difficult to do. And it is, it's, it, you can't, when we need, we need the labels, we need the things written down yeah. that we can like refer back to, that we can actually describe it to people verbally yeah. in some way at least, but, but internally it's kind of okay not to put labels on it and kind of like dream your way through it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just explore it. It's like use the imagination and allow it to... And, and allow it mm. to be your personal experience yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a really nice quote that says that um, grief is a sign, is not a sign that you're broken, but mm. a sign that love has been in your life. Ooh, nice, yes. And that's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is nice, that's reassuring. It's really about bringing it back to that sense of gratitude, I think. I was thinking mm. about this the other day. Um, I did a yoga class and afterwards there was this opportunity to do a gratitude tree and hang something that you were grat grateful for on the tree. Mm-hmm. And I really had this sense, I was thinking about my dad and thinking I felt so grateful that I had had his love in my life instead of feeling mm. like oh 
you know, it's so annoying that I don't get to talk to him and that mm. I haven't experienced a relationship with him as an adult and that he can't share, he's never met my son, you know, mm. none of those things. And that's so sad for me. But instead going, gosh, I was just super lucky that mm. I had him. And it really just changes things so quickly for you. Not that you don't feel sad anymore, just that there's a different, like, a different tint on it, yeah, maybe. exactly. A little thing. It's a filter. Yeah, a filter. A little Instagram like filter. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so from a yoga point of view... Mm. There are lots of things from yoga and pranayama, breath practices, meditations that you can do around grief. Because um, we talked a little bit earlier about the hormones of grief. Yes. Do you want to recap that quickly? There's yeah, briefly. We have oxytocin and dopamine. Mm -hmm. We have the stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol. Um, and then, so when we're in those stress hormones, we have anxiety and sadness. Mm -hmm. We have fight and flight, which is like extra blood flow. Your muscles are tense, mm -hmm. maybe tight chest, headache digestion stuff, fatigue, sleep issues. And so what we want to look at when we're thinking about yoga for grief is looking at how can we address those symptoms that have come up from okay. stress so that we can put the, the sympathetic nervous system yeah. back in balance kind of with like the parasympathetic. Stability, it like. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. grounding, yeah. calming, yeah. rejuvenating, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, so yeah. that we can then just put ourselves back into our power and then allow ourselves to heal naturally mm. in whatever form that we need to heal. Mm -hmm. So one of the nice things you can do is at the beginning of a practice set an intention we do this a lot in yoga, but a nice one that you can do around grief is saying, may this practice reconnect me to my body, ground me in the here and now, and help me to heal. So it's not about going, let me be healed, or let me reach out for help. It's just going, let me really reconnect with my body, because a lot of what happens in grief is that we get up here, mm -hmm. and we get all stuck in our head or in our emotions, but we kind of don't come into how is our body feeling. Yeah. And so a really nice thing is to just have the intention of coming into our body and just allowing ourselves to heal. Yeah, not being kind of numb about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so as far as practices, we want to look at heart-opening poses, so things like child's pose, which is really good for reflection and protection. Mm -hmm. um, Sphinx pose, which opens our heart, but it's a very gentle heart opener. I was going to say, things like camel are probably a bit hard. Anything end game-ish is, yeah. is too much because yeah. it's too, we can actually go into a panic attack state if we push ourselves too it. fast into that opening. It. So okay. you want to stay small. Sphinx is really gentle. You just have your, your elbows below your shoulders, you lie on your belly and you just lift your heart up. Mm. So it's just imitating the sphinx really mm -hmm. and what that does is brings awareness into our back body awareness around our kidneys which are always under strain when mm -hmm. we're in grief um fish is another one that we can do a gentle mm. fish with our toes pointed up on our elbows you can look it up online you'll find an image um and then viparita karani which is legs up the wall is a really great one for restoration so you literally just scoot your bottom in against a wall have your legs up and lie with your hands onto your belly so it helps you to reconnect to your belly breath as you're breathing so we get grounded back in our belly but it also brings the blood flow from our extremities yeah. down into our essential organs, yeah, yeah, yeah. a womb, if you have one, <laughs> stomach, <laughs> um, you know, all of those really uh -huh. important organs that are suffering because our digestion tends to go into shutdown yeah, or yeah. overdrive yeah. when we're stressed, depending nice. on what personality type nice. we have. Nice. And then obviously Shavasana is mm. really important just for letting ourselves de-stress. Yeah. If you're in a stage where you're slightly further down the grief path and you want to do something slightly more active, Downward Dog is really good for mm -hmm. reducing the fatigue. Um, low lunges are really good for opening your hips because hips are where we store our emotions like grief. Interesting. So they're really good for opening, but you just have to be aware if you're doing a lot of lunges and hip openers that it can bring up those emotions. So allowing That's yourself to space yeah. to heal with that mm. and not so not just going, oh, I've got to go out the door and feeling a bit sad. I'll just do a bunch of hip openers because mm. then you could find that that stuff comes out in, in, in a way that you might not feel comfortable. So it could come out in sadness and crying or it could yeah. come out in anger so choose your space for it if you're going to yeah, go into, give into yourself a class the time. yoga wise maybe yeah. kind of think 
okay, am I in a, like, a stable enough position to really do this around yeah. people and, and to honor the practice and do it yeah. properly, or am I better off doing a lot less but doing it at home in a self-guided way and maybe getting the asanas a bit wrong, but just, yeah, like, just being in a safe space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then Suptabhadakanasana, which is reclined cobbler's pose, soles of the feet together, knees open. Um, that opens the hips passively yeah. and the chest too. So it's nice to do over a bolster or a couple of cushions. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get that restorative chest opener and it brings us into those qualities of the parasympathetic nervous system. Gotcha. When we're looking at breath practices, Nadi Shodhana, alternate nostril breathing is your one. It's the so one gross. for balancing the nadis, balancing the brain, mm. balancing the emotions. And you can just do it very simply with thumb and index finger. So if you close over your left nostril and breathe in through your right. At the top of the inhale, Breathing closed over. And I'm doing inverted. Oh, well done. You're doing reverse because you're a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to correct me. You're right? supposed to start on the left. You're always supposed to start on the left. Well, it depends on your Aren't you? That's what aim. I was taught. Depends on your aim for it. Ignore me. <laughs> Carry on. Anyway, uh, ignore Finn, but what you do is close your nostril, doesn't matter which, just with your thumb, breathe in the other side. At the top, close over with your index finger, and then breathe out the other side. Inhale the same side, close it over, exhale opposite side. And you can continue on. There are lots of very much more complicated versions and lots of kind of complicated levels to the practice. But if you're in a situation where you're grieving and you're just trying to heal from that, simplicity is a, is a really mm. key thing. You don't want to be thinking, oh, where do I put the third finger mm. and how many times of rounds do I do? Yeah. It's really just about balancing your left and right hemispheres of yeah. your brain, left and right nostril, and that just naturally brings our emotions into balance. Yeah. And it's really good for combating anxiety. Yeah. So if you're having panic attacks coming up Yeah, let's say you're stuck in the car. Exactly. Mm. Or, you know, or yeah, yeah, you're somewhere where you just feel like grief is, or emotion is yeah. overwhelming. You yeah. can just always run to a little toilet or somewhere mm. and mm. do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, another one that if you're doing a meditation is having your focus on the eyebrow center. Mm. So you don't have to do that with closed eyes. If you have closed eyes, you just roll your gaze up towards the eyebrow center. Otherwise, you can just take your eyes up there and you can just say, breathing in, I know I'm breathing in, breathing out, I surrender. And you just follow that as a mantra. Mm. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I surrender. Okay. And that just brings us back to that acknowledgement of I'm sitting and bearing witness mm -hmm. to this process that's happening yeah. now. I'm acknowledging what's happening. I have the knowledge that I'm breathing in. So that's useful if you're having a panic attack mm. or if you're gives you like control of your diaphragm like back I again. have it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm yeah. doing this and I breathe out. I'm just surrendering to the process of whatever is here mm. today and letting yeah. that be whatever it is. Cool. Okie dokie. We better wrap this one up. Um, that's been amazing, great. I learned an awful lot from you in that one, that's great. Um, so guys, as per usual, please make sure you like and subscribe, and post your comments, tell us what you think. If um, you have any techniques that you've used to get through grief or bereavement, it would be really share. useful to share them. Um, or if you have any resources that you really love, websites or books or um, practices that helped you, it would be great to share them as well. Mm. And we'll compile a little list of the stuff that we talked about and put them in the links below. Yeah, cool, absolutely. And so you can find us now on iTunes, on the podcast app, and you can find us on YouTube where you'll find the videos for this if you want to go and have a look at me getting it wrong and telling Lydia <laughs> what she already knows. Telling me how to much do my job. <laughs> it's the first time that's happened. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hopefully the last. Uh, or if you can find us on Spotify. Spotify. It's great. Yay. We're just on Spotify as of yesterday. So. Super exciting. Brill. Thanks very much for watching, guys. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed. Bye. Bye.